see you. You're walking across the campus, cool professor studying romances. How am I supposed to pretend? been with us you know we're going through a series in proverbs and the reason i wanted to do this series is you know i've said it every week but i love this idea that we live in a world that wants everything to be black and white but if you've been in college very long or if you're very honest about what life in this world is like you know that it's that's not the case there's a lot of gray uh, when it comes to who, who am i supposed to date who should i date who should i marry what should I major in? Should I work a job? How many hours should I take? Who should I live with? These are all questions that are not spelled out for you in the Bible. These are all questions that the Bible invites us to this category called wisdom. They're, they're gray areas. And what Jesus invites you to do with these gray areas, which is so much of life, maybe even 90% of life is gray areas, there's a real sense in which what Jesus invites you to is to come and abide in him and to let him be wisdom and impart his wisdom unto you. And so what we're doing each week is we're looking at one theme in Proverbs and we're kind of thinking about it from Proverbs and, and inviting uh, or hope, hopefully taking up Jesus on his offer to come and learn from him about certain topics, for lack of a better word. So tonight, uh, I'm pretty excited because we get to talk about friendship. And friendship, I think, is such, is such a crucial thing and yet it's something, if we're being honest, none of us knows how to do well. If you think you know how to do it well, I hope you listen tonight and are humbled and like repent and seek forgiveness from Jesus because I think I'm convinced the older I get that none of us knows how to do it in this deep biblical way. So let me read for us uh, from, you have it in your handout, certain selected passages from Proverbs and friendship and then I'll pray for us and then we'll jump into it. Let me read for us first. And I'm just going to read them first. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Proverbs 18.24, a man of many companions companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And then lastly, Proverbs 27.6-10, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. One who is full loathes honey, but one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. Oil and perfume make the heart glad. And the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend. And do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Let me pray for us, and I'm going to jump into what I want to talk about. Let's pray first. Father, we do thank you that you call us your friends. Um, Lord, you invite us not simply as worshipers. You invite us not simply as those who are your servants. You invite us tonight not simply as those who are called to, as your creatures, glorify you in all that we do. But Lord, you and your grace have called us not just sons and daughters, but friends. And I pray that as we think about your specific grace to us in this way, that you would help us to be better friends. That you would forgive us for the ways where we've been terrible friends. And Lord, would you show us, uh, change us by the kind of friendship you have for us and make us the kind of friend that you are to us by your grace. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so the older I get, the more I'm convinced of this one thought. And this is like the big idea of the sermon. And it's simply 
I can't, I mean, the best way for me to say it is this, is that everybody wants deep friends, and yet nobody feels like they know how to do it or they have it in exactly the way that they want it. Uh, the questions really, if you're, being, if you're listening to the questions of college, some of the questions of college are like questions like this. Who is going to be my friend? Are my friends even my real friends? This is why I love the movie I Love You Man, Paul Rudd. It's my, one of my favorite Paul Rudd char- uh, just characters. And the whole film, if you've seen the film, the whole idea of the film is he's getting married. He asks his, you know, It begins with him asking his, his girlfriend to marry him. And he suddenly realizes he has no friends. He has no one to ask to be in his wedding. And so the whole film is about him figuring out how he to become friends with other dudes. And it's a, pretty, it's a really funny film. It can be crass at times. But I love the idea of the film because if you think about it, a film like this would not have been made in the 50s or the 60s or the 70s or the 80s. Like, this was not a question guys were asking or really anyone was asking. But it is a question of today. How we long for friends and yet a lot of us feel lonely and like we don't know how to do friendship if we're being very honest. Uh, I love the quote you have it on your... On your handout um, from Digby Anderson, he says, if we ask ourselves whether there are a significant number of people today without true friends or whether our modern society is one in which friendship plays a diminishing role, I think the answers are yes. And so what do we do with this tension? On the one hand, we long for this deep friendship, like who people that we would love to be in our wedding. On the other hand, we feel, if we're being honest, like we don't exactly either have that or know how to get that. And so what I think Proverbs invites us to is really three things I want to talk about. Uh, first is I want to talk about the three kinds of friends. The second I want to talk about uh, basically um, the only way to do deep friendship. And then lastly, I want to get kind of practical and think about some practical thoughts just in friendship. So first, three kinds of friends. Second, the only way to deep friendship. And then lastly, I want to talk about just some practical thoughts and friendship. Um, but first, think with me for a second about three kinds of friends. So years ago, there's this monk living in the 12th century. His name is, I can't pronounce it right, Elrod of Riveau, basically. He's a 12th century monk. And he wrote this treatise on what he called on friendship, and spiritual friendship is what he called it. And he basically laid out that there are essentially three kinds of friendships. Here's the first one. The first kind of friendship he said that is, is real and exists is what he called carnal friendship. Carnal is a word for us that we don't use very much anymore. It's just a weird word. What does he mean? He means friendship that is based on pleasure. Friendship that is based on, and you enjoy something together. So I've got friends who are just foodie friends. We love to go and, like, eat certain foods together. I had friends, we just did a barbecue tour through South Carolina, and, like, our friendship was kind of based on that. This is where you have your going out friends, some of you. Like, you, your friends who you sort of go downtown together. Or you have, like, friends that are based, basically, on, you, you have your movie buddy friends. Friends that you just love to go and enjoy something together. Uh, you enjoy the same thing. So friendship's based on what we could simply call pleasure. Um, but this is where there's a tension for like, for a lot of you, this is why you do that tension where like, I was just having this conversation recently where it's, you know, saying I have on the one hand my Christian friends, but then on the other hand I have my going out friends and it's confusing because on the one hand I want to be better friends with my Christian friends, but on the other hand, you know, these are the friends that I end up being going out with the most. And, and basically what I think the person was saying was there's a sense in which, you know, this is a friendship based on, on pleasure and the mutual enjoyment or pursuit of some kind of pleasure. Um, and what's interesting, though, is, is we kind of, sort of it can be a very empty friendship because you realize as soon as you s- start losing interest in this mutual thing that you enjoy, there's really nothing left in the friendship. This is why I ha- literally this past week I had a conversation with I have a couple of friends, and we have this standing ritual where we go to the same restaurant every week at a certain time. And one of us posed the question, what if we didn't go to this restaurant? 
Like, would we still want to get together? And it was one of those moments where we're like, oh, yeah, of course we would still want to get together. But I think we were all secretly saying, but please, let's keep it at this place that we love with the food that we love. And there's a real sense in which it was a wake-up call to me. Was, These are Christian friends, but sometimes the reality of our relationship is this much more defined by and contoured by this thing that we enjoy together. And there's a little bit of emptiness there. Um, so first, he called it just carnal friendship. And then second is what he called this thing, this idea of what he called worldly friendship. And this was what we could call friendship based around networking. So it's not pleasure, but it's, there's a mutual goal. There's something in it for both of you. There's a connection. There's something that you give each other. There's something that you invite each other into that benefits you in some mutual way. Maybe it's a certain person who has an in with another group of people. Maybe it's a certain person who has a beach house. Maybe it's a certain person who has a lake house or a mountain house. Maybe it's a certain person who like goes to class regularly and takes incredible notes and you cozy up to them because you don't go to class so regularly and they're kind enough to share their notes with you. But there's a sense in which there's a worldly base of this friendship that's based around some mutual benefit of each other. Maybe they're friends with Steve Spurrier who can get you free football tickets to every game and there's an end for you. There's something you're getting from the friendship that you like and that you love. There's some sort of social or economical gain. And so in the, the first one, this idea of like pleasure-based or carnal friendship, if what you're getting, you know, you're not really friends, you're, you're foodie buddies, you're drinking buddies, you're movie buddies, you're football buddies, but you're not really friends. In this one, you're more like, you're not really friends, you're more like business associates. Or it's like the silent partner who like gets you something that you want. Or it's your in or your connection. And there's a sense in which what, what he saw was this is a real thing. And if we're being honest, this is a lot of our relationships because, like we've said, this we're kind of framing this whole idea, is there's a, a huge, huge difference in the Bible between what we could call consumer-based relationship and covenant-based relationship. And in a consumer-based relationship, you're always asking the question, what am I getting out of this relationship? What am I getting out of this friendship? Even if you don't articulate that to the other person, you're thinking it, you're living it. And as soon as that person doesn't give you what you want, you drop the friendship. This happens to a lot of you. This is why you were friends in high school with certain people, and then you come to college, and that friendship just dissolves. And the reason it dissolves, it was, it was one of these two kinds of friendships. You were getting something from the relationship that suddenly you can't give this other person anymore, so they drop you or you drop them. And so this is the third idea that he brought that was so radical for his day that it actually got him, actually he kind of got in this banned list because he presented this picture of friendship that he believed was deeply biblical and deeply intimate, and he simply called it spiritual friendship. And in spiritual friendship, it's not consumer-based. You don't ask the question, what am I getting out of this? You simply ask the question, how can I love this person? And how can I invite this person into a life that loves and encourages me? It's covenant-based relationship. It's covenant-based, committed-based friendship. And, and it's based around mutual love. It's not based around mutual enjoyment. It's not based around mutual connections or networking. It's based around mutual love. And there's a sense in which it's the kind of friendship where we let each other all the way in, and we don't, let you, we don't let each other down. It's the kind of friendship where we can share our deepest dreams and our deepest failures. It's the kind of friendship where we can talk about Jesus in some like real way, where it's not like, how can I pray for you this week? Oh, I've got three tests this week. Please pray for my test. Where we're like, this is what I'm afraid of right now. This is where I'm struggling right now. This is where it's hard for me to trust Jesus. There's a depth, there's kind of two elements of it. There's a depth to it, 
And there's a constancy to it. There's a letting people deeply in, and there's a, a, a deep commitment that says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. I'm in it for the long haul. This is the kind of friendship that David and Jonathan had. This is the kind of friendship that, that, that Fredo and Sam had. This is the kind of friendship that Harry, Ron, and Hermione had. This is the kind of friendship that we see. Like, this is what's ironic about when we come to talk about friends is a lot of you have, like, marathon friends, like the show friends, while longing for friends. And there's a loneliness to that. Because this is the kind of friendship you long for. But have you ever thought about, like, how did friends get to be friends? Like, like how, this is the, these are the questions I was left with today. Like, how did friends get to be friends? Like, some of them are related. Cool. How did the other ones get connected? And I guess there's a backstory, and some of you who have marathoned it a couple times could tell me. Let's talk afterwards. But this is where we get into our passages. This is the, the, the picture of friendship that we really do all long for is given to us in the passages, the, 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 the Proverbs I just read. Think about this. A friend is someone who loves at all times. They're not fair with her. They don't just love you when it's convenient for them. Uh, this is why I love Oprah. Uh, I came across this Oprah quote that I love where she said, everyone wants to ride in the limo, but a real friend is someone who rides with you on the bus when the limo breaks down. There's a sense in which we're longing for someone who loves us at all times. I remember a friendship was formed with one of my good friends. His name is David DeWill. He works at, at campus. But when Alyssa's dad died, this was, I guess, gosh, three years ago now, uh, he died pretty suddenly of this pretty aggressive form of cancer. But I remember David and I had like, hung out maybe once or twice. And in this really beautiful moment, while we're going through this really hard time that I wasn't sharing a lot about because we were in it, in the thick of it, but I remember this beautiful thing. He knew, I guess he knew from my Twitter that I love donuts. And so in this beautiful moment, he literally brought us a dozen donuts from Dunkin' Donuts. He just rang the doorbell and showed up with a dozen donuts. And there's a sense in which it, sound, it was like a, a, one of those things where, like a, he, he told me afterwards, like he felt really awkward doing that. Because it was like, <laughs> do I just show up with like donuts and is this going to be weird? And I think that really was the moment that we started to become deep friends because he was doing that thing where a friend loves at all times, not just when it's convenient to them, but there's a sense in which loving in moments of deep need or of deep uncomfortability and pushing past that. A friend, Proverbs says, is someone who sticks closer than our own blood. This is where we have to do that thing to say, for some of us, the reality is the blood of Jesus really is thicker than the blood of our families. That's why Jesus, when he's sort of you know, heading to the cross has that weird scene where his mothers and brothers want to see him. They can't get to him. And he looks at the crowd and he says, these are my mothers. These are my brothers. And there's a sense in which friendship is born within, should come from within the body of Christ. A friend is someone who wounds us faithfully. Like there, Okay, here's the deal. Every, everyone in this room that knows each other has wounded each other. But the question is, have you wounded each other selfishly? By, like, gossiping about each other or by, like, like not showing up and flaking on that person or, like, choosing, like, the boyfriend-girlfriend over the friend kind of thing where you're just like, oh, I know we made plans, but my boyfriend's more important. Everyone has wounded each other. But the question is, have you wounded faithfully? To wound faithfully means you confront and love at the appropriate time because you know there's something that Jesus wants them to hear and you believe deeply that you want to in love faithfully wound them and say a hard thing but do you see the difference there's a way of selfishly wounding and faithfully wounding and a friend is someone who faithfully wounds through confrontation or rebuke or exhortation a friend is someone who doesn't hesitate to tell us what they think this is that weird passage that a friend's the sweetness of a friend is his earnest counsel 
There's a deep sense in which there's an earnestness in deep friendship to say what you really think, but also to give space. That's that weird passage about adversity and, you know, better is a near neighbor than a friend. Part of what that is saying is, like, a friend also knows when to give space and when to take a step back and when to not insert themselves inappropriately. And there's a sense in which this is the kind of friendship that we all long for. We all long for this, this kind of depth of friendship, and yet if we're being honest, if I'm being honest, I don't know how to do this very well. And that's the second thing I want to say is, well, how do we begin to think about getting into these deep sort of friendships with each other? Because it's, they don't just happen. Like, my wife and I were watching The Bachelor last night, and it drives me crazy when, the, when they, I mean, the whole, I mean, I get the whole premise of the show, it's kind of this, but this idea that you find love like, you know, that you, that love is just something that you sort of this, you just stumble upon. Like, it is really kind of this, like, unicorn. Like, I, I really do love, like, unicorns are my favorite animal that's not an animal. And I know I'm never going to, like, stumble upon this unicorn, as amazing as that would be. And, like, I like to picture myself riding it and what that would feel like flying on a unicorn. Because you just grabbing the horn, I suppose, and just let it lead you to magical places. And I'm being, like, that sounds incredible to me. But I think sometimes that's how we talk about love. And, like, that's not real. Like, there's part of me that knows that sounds incredible. That's not real. And there's a sense in which the same is true about friendships. I think we have this idea that you just stumble upon these kind of deep friendships. But can I just be the one that bursts at, I was going to say bursts at unicorn. That would get me in trouble because PETA if unicorns existed, would not want me to kill a unicorn. But if I just burst that bubble and said, that's not how friendship works. There's a sense in which there is a way to this deep kind of friendship, but there, it's a way. You don't just find it. It's not a gift you magically find in the woods. There's a way. There's a path. And I think, there's a, I think this is where we as Christians really do have the answer. This is where, like, the way, this is what, you know, Wesley Hill, praise God for Wesley Hill, he is trying to recover this idea of spiritual friendship because the, the, like, Christian theology about friendship really is unique and beautiful. And I I would say is the deepest, truest, purest way to deep this kind of friendship. And so I want to talk about that second, the only way to deep friendship. So when you think about friendship, this is a C.S. Lewis point that's really interesting, is friendship is the only relationship, if you think about it, that is absolutely unnecessary, you can't have babies with your friends. I mean, like, you could, but that's not the point of friendship. You can't have sex with your friends. Like, again, you could, but that's not the point of friendship. I like how that one gets no laughs. <laughs> we'll just say sex in the whole room. That's a whole nother sermon. Uh, there's, you know, you can't, like, there, there's an unnecessary element. There's an unnecessary quality to friendship. Why? Like, friends can't pay you. Like, they could, but they don't pay you. Friends can't fire you. Like, do you see, like, like when you think about it even, you know, from, this is how Lewis approached it, from a survival-type, you know, philosophy, which we would have questions with in terms of Christianity, but from that philosophy, even just thinking about it from a survival sense, there's nothing that friendship gives you. In fact, friendship is a threat to that. Friendship is a threat to you pursuing your dreams. Friendship is a threat to you pursuing your family. Friendship, friendship for a lot of us, is this completely, I mean, it really is this a completely unnecessary relationship. But yet it's so crucial. It's why do we, we, we long for it. Why? Because here's, I think, the key. Is a friend is not someone who's obligated to you. A friend is someone who chooses you. A friend is someone who says, there's nothing, I don't have to be here. 
but I want to be here. A friend is in some way somebody saying, I don't have to, like, I have to love my kids. I don't have to love my friends. And there's a real sense in which this is what's beautiful about friendship is that you, the, the whole nature of a real deep, true friendship is someone who is saying implicitly over you, I choose you. I, I choose you. I see you and I choose you to be my friend. And, and hopefully in, a, in the deep friendship, it's reciprocal. You choose me. Um, this is why I love when Wesley Hill, he talks about this in his book, Spiritual Friendship. And he, has this, he does this two things that we kind of talked about. Consumer friendship versus covenant friendship. He doesn't call it that. But here's what he says. He says there are two ways to approach any friendship. One is to say, you are mine because I love you. And essentially what you're saying is you're saying as long as you give something, as long as you bring something to this relationship, I will love you. I will identify with you. I will be there for you. You are mine because I love you. And as soon as I stop loving you in the feeling sense, the relationship is gone. And all of us have experienced that. We've experienced being dropped by a friend, and a lot of us have dropped friends. And it's not a fun feeling. You're mine because I love you. And he says that's always going to make friendship able to go so far. And, And fragile and unhelpful and just not a beautiful way to do it. Whereas the biblical idea of covenant is, I love you because you are mine. We belong to each other. I mean, as Christians, we really do. Like, that's why we're called the body of Christ, is we legitimately, because we belong to Jesus, belong to each other. And therefore, there's this sense in which we are choosing to love each other because we already belong to each other. And this is where I think, you know, maybe you grew up with a, a person. Maybe you're in the same room right now with a person. You met at RUF. Maybe you go to church with a person. But part of me wants to say that, Whatever the circumstances, providence has brought you together with certain people. And there's a sense in which love, you know, love and friendship happens as we begin to love those with whom we belong and, and who belong to us in this real profound way. Uh, in other words, another way to say it is we don't love each other because we like each other. We begin to like each other because we love each other in the active sense of that word, not in the noun sense of that word. You know, I think about this a lot. When I, we were at Georgia Southern, uh, my first year there, there was an older couple that was at our church. And we did this thing where we had friends, we had people over, and we would do this, like, Stouffer's lasagna, baked cookies, and a salad. And, you know, it was easy, and we just tried. The goal was to have people in our house, try to be hospitable. And we tried to just rotate through people and not ask the question, who do we want to have over, but who is around us that we should have over. And I remember we had this one couple over, and, like, I hate, like, I hate them. If I'm being honest, I just did not like them. Like, I was, like, dreading this meal. Like, I have everything in me. I was like, can I just call and cancel, text and cancel? And Alyssa was like, nope, we're going to do it. And we get into this, you know, I'm dreading it, I'm dreading it. I'm probably being cold and standoffish. And then something happened at the dinner table where over this Stouffer's lasagna, which is just not my favorite meal in the world, and over these little pre-baked cookies, I really began to listen and see this couple. And, like, my heart totally changed toward them. Now, like, this is not your average experience. Like, there are plenty of people I still hate that I go to church with. There are plenty of people that you hate in this room. Let's just be honest about it. It's awkward. But what I'm trying to say is part of the Christian idea of friendship begins with you you love. You begin to love and invite in the ways that Jesus has loved and invited. And something begins to happen to you. 
And there's a real sense in which, if you think about this idea that a friend is someone who chooses to love you, there's a freedom to it, but there's a beauty to it. And this is where I think when you begin to think about Jesus in the gospel, so if we were to read John 13 and Jesus does that beautiful thing where he washes his disciples' feet, and then he really does, he has his last time of like hanging out with his disciples and he's teaching them. And he goes to John 14, he gets to John 15, and he says this thing, and I like to imagine what his disciples were thinking when he said in John 15, no longer do I call you servants, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. The scene, my, fo- my favorite scene in all of Harry Potter is the scene, Chamber of Secrets, when Dobby meets Harry for the first time. Um, you've probably heard me say this before. It's my favorite scene in the whole series. Because you remember the scene, Dobby's really excited to meet Harry. Dobby's lived this life as a house elf slash slave, essentially. He doesn't ever think he's going to be freed. And he's really excited. He says, you know, I've heard so much about you, Harry. And then Harry does this thing where he really um, engages him in this really unsettling way. He basically starts, you know, he tries to be kind and cheer Dobby up because Dobby keeps beating himself up for saying stupid things. Uh, and then he actually, you know, begins to ask how he can help Dobby. And remember that line? This is my favorite line when Dobby looks at Harry and says, Harry Potter asks if he can help Dobby. And he says, Dobby has heard of your greatness, sir, but of your goodness, Dobby never knew. And I like to think that something of that feeling had to be what the disciples were thinking. When Jesus said, like, the Son of God, the creator of the universe, looked at them and said, you're not just my servants. Y'all are my friends. Like, I'm going to die for you because you're my friends. And I, basically, Jesus looked at them and said, I choose you. I don't have to choose you. I choose you to be my friends. I love you. And there's a sense in which you, when you know that about yourself as a Christian, that there's no, there's, if, listen, if you don't understand that there's no reason that Jesus should choose friendship with you, you don't, you're not a Christian. Like, the, there shouldn't, you should always be shocked. Part of how you know you're a Christian is you're shocked that Jesus would want to be friends with you. He would want to draw near to you and choose you and love you and y'all, this is where friendship really begins. Because then when we feel that, when we get the friendship of Jesus toward us, who do not deserve it, who can never do anything to persuade it, there's this deep sense in which it frees us up to really be friends. Even with people that we don't like, but begin to love because Jesus loves them. Because the reality of that is, within this room, there are people that you might not like, but Jesus loves and died for. And who are you not to love them? Who am I not to love them? Jesus, and we begin to even see friendship like him. Jesus doesn't, here, let's reframe it. Jesus doesn't choose us because we're fun. (laughs) Jesus doesn't choose us because we can give him anything, because of our influence. Jesus doesn't even choose us because we love him so much and give him something. Jesus chooses us rather because we are his and he loves us. And he loves at all times. There's never a time in your life where Jesus withdraws his love from you in the brightest and the darkest seasons. He is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. Listen, your family either has or will fail you. Jesus is the family who is never going to fail you. Jesus is the friend who wounds you faithfully. He loves you enough to disappoint you. 
and yet his disappointments are never without purpose. Jesus is the friend who will always let you in, never let you down. Jesus is the friend who doesn't withhold his counsel from you, and yet he's not going to force himself when he knows there's a sense when you're wrestling and disappointed and angry and don't know what to do with him and confused. Jesus is the friend that we really do long for, and there's a sense in which when we begin to grasp this, it absolutely changes the way we do friendship. It's the only way. It's the only way to deep friendship. And then think with me just for a second, though. Okay, so what do we do with that? Last thing I want you to see is just a couple of practical thoughts on being friends. And this is where I'm just going to get pretty pointed and just do my best to, I think, say things that for me have been hard or I think need to be said. When you, what do you do with that? Okay, so Jesus is my friend. He loves me. He's the friend of sinners. I get this. How does this change practically on the ground how I do friendship? Just a couple of thoughts. Here's one. This is a real shock. There are not prob- I was going to say there are probably some people here tonight. There are definitely a lot of people here tonight. And what you need to do tonight is apologize to someone for not being a good friend. Like when you leave here, you need to text them. And if it's more serious, you need to say, can we grab lunch? Can we grab coffee? And you need to apologize that you've been a crappy friend. That you've used them. That you've flaked on them. That you've not, you've not loved them the way Jesus loves you. And there's a real sense in which you know, we need to do that with each other and just have those conversations. I've got a conversation I know that I've been, I've been holding off for two months where I wronged a friend in front of other friends. And I'm doing that thing where I'm proud and I'm saying, ah, I don't really need to say anything. I don't really need to ask forgiveness. And, like, I know, like, tonight I need to text that friend and set up a lunch and say, man, I should not have said that. I should not have done that. Will you please forgive me? Because I was not a good friend to you. And you've got that, too. You've got someone you need to do that with tonight. Uh, second, a lot of you, you have friends who are Christians, but you don't have Christian friends. This is a thing in RUF where you've got, you know, friends who identify as a Christian, but there's a difference between someone who does that and someone who is a Christian friend who can point you to Jesus and who can challenge you and who can encourage you, who can confess sin to you, you can confess sin to them, who can ask questions like, where is it hard for you to trust Jesus right now? And you can ask them, where is it hard for you to trust Jesus right now? And it's not this... Like, weird thing. It's a, it's a thing that might feel weird at first, but you're growing into. And there's so many of you, I think, in this room tonight who come to RUF regularly, and you're just you're scared to do this with each other. And there's a sense in which the thing that would actually make you become friends is, is when you come out of the closet with your sin. And when you kind of say, like, this is what I really struggle with. This is where I really am. Like I say, this is the moment that deep friendship begins to be born because it's what my friend John Aka calls the gift of going second, where you give someone, you go first, and you give the gift of someone being able to share what's going on with them. So what if you picked one friend tonight that you actually hang out with and said, hey, we need to go deeper. Next time we hang out, can we please try to go deeper? I know it's going to feel awkward. I'm not going to want to do it. You're not going to want to do it. Can we try? Can we agree that we're going to try to go deeper together? You've got to do that. Third, um, some of you need to confront a friend about something. Some of you have a friend right now that you know, like this Holy Spirit will not let you go, where you know you need to be that friend who says something in love to another friend. Because there's something in their life that is displeasing to Jesus, and Jesus in this loving way has allowed you and called you to be their friend, and maybe he's calling you to be the friend who, learn, who lovingly gives what we just talked about, earnest counsel. Where you say, hey, can I just, you know, can I just, can we talk about that relationship? Or can we talk about, like, I've kind of noticed this thing or something happened a while ago. I just want to, 
I just feel like we need to have a conversation with. And you don't do it out of pride. If you do it out of pride, please don't do it. But you do it from a place saying, I need this in my life. I want to be this in your life. And you kind of have to go for it. And some friends are going to be like, screw you. I don't want to be friends anymore. But can I just say, part of deep friendship is willingness to risk the relationship when the relationship is straying or when a person is running from Jesus. There is a sense in which deep Christian friendship is a willingness to put Jesus in the relationship before that person's approval. And this is the last thing I want to say, lastly. You know, so it's true, like I work landscaping. I was going to say I work landscaping as if that was a prerequisite to know this, that any growing plant needs two things. <laughs> so stupid. We all know this. We took biology. Any growing plant needs two things, right? Water and light. Doing landscaping didn't in any way qualify me to say that. But sometimes it's fun to pretend like you know what you're saying. Any growing plant needs two things. Water and light. Any growing friendship needs two things. Depth and constancy. You open up and you show up. And like if you're not doing that, your friendship's not growing. It's not definitely it's definitely not getting any deeper, but it's actually not going anywhere. And there's a sense in which being both vulnerable and constant, because there's a way of being vulnerable that's selfish, and you're still flaky as anything. And there's a way of being <coughs> consistent. You show up, but you're so shut off. No one knows how to love you because they don't know you. And there's a sense in which there's got to be both, depth and constancy. Um, let me pray for us. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, there's so much more we could talk about. There's so much more that we haven't talked about. And I pray that you would take just a little bit that we have talked about and take what is true and of you and of your word. And I pray that you would plant it like deeply within our hearts and make our hearts rich soil and grow fruit in our group even that is pleasing to you. And Lord, would you drive away that which is not of you and not helpful, make it like chaff and just blow it away from our minds and hearts. Would you do a work in us? We thank you that you call us your friends, and I pray that you and uh, the friendship that you've shown us would teach us, help us know how to love each other in that way. We pray these things, Lord Christ, in your name. Amen.